Hey everybody, Stephen here from The Truth About Dyslexia. In today's episode, I want to talk about decision fatigue. Something many dyslexics get when they have too many options in front of them. Um, this happens to everyone to a point, but as with many things in dyslexia, it just makes it a little bit tougher with the way our brains work. I just want to go into a little bit about that and share a few ideas to help you kind of see some of the things that could be staring in the face. Let's dive in. Okay, so recently I've been, you know, getting to the end of the year, starting to set some goals, decide on next year, and I've just been tired, I've been fatigued. And, you know, usually when that happens, nine times out of ten I try and push through. I try and I try and lean on the stuff I do daily to help me out, the meditations, the walking, start to build that routine back up if it's waned for whatever reason. You know, with being on holiday recently, that's, you know, something that kind of happens. Um, but one of the challenges I've had while I've been setting these goals is, is just decision fatigue. You know, in life, we're thrown decisions all day, from the smallest stuff up to the biggest. And with dyslexia, there's a variety of different things that makes it a bit tough. And I wanted to share a few of those things and also share a few things that I've been doing recently to help out. Uh, to, to kind of cope with it. So the first thing that really, you know, you need to get your head around is dyslexics can really struggle with the paradox of choice. You know, you imagine being a kid in a candy shop and having endless options to pick from, but only $2 in your pocket. You know, and that's how overwhelming decisions can feel to the dyslexic mind. You know, too many choices lead to paralysis. I see this with me and my wife trying to pick dinner options sometimes when we're being lazy and we're sitting on Uber Eats and looking at the, the 200 or 100, however many restaurants there are, and trying to make a decision. You know, it can sometimes just feel like I, I don't want to make a decision because there's just too many options out there. So the paradox of choice, I, I, I feel, hits the neurodiverse mind heavily because it overloads the the kind of executive function side of the brain, which is not something that that makes it easy for us. You know, it's like we've got a busy office of a brain doing a bunch of stuff, and then we throw another hundred options in there, and it just kind of says no, or it defaults to the easiest option. Um, you know, that's you know, we we can sometimes have too much choice, should I say? The second piece kind of follows on is kind of this information overload. Now, you may get this as well when say someone in the office, if you work in an office or wherever you work, if you're at school, uh, someone throws so much information at you all at once and then asks for a really quick decision. Does that make sense? You know, there's so much so much information that can come at you and you kind of overanalyze everything. Your brain is actually sometimes, I think, too powerful and goes into all of the different options that it could, could work within. Um, rather than just going, hey, here's the next logical step. It struggles with that simple decision-making. Um, and information overload can come in so many so many ways. Like, um, you know, be it from family members who are trying to ask you a heap of different things at once. You know, we've all seen it on TV, at least. The five-year-old, the two, two kids asking one thing, the husband asking something, or the wife. And it's like, you just kind of, your head explodes. And I think for dyslexics, we have that a lot. Many of us have kind of like a resting 
confused face that doesn't look confused, but deep down, our brain's like, I don't really want to make a decision here. And, you know, I've been getting this a bit recently, like the amount of decisions that come at you, especially when I've been sick and not sleeping, like my decision fatigue is just through the roof. Like I just, I haven't actually seen it this bad in a very long time. And it's just because I've been sick and tired. And, you know, it's so hard for anyone with dyslexia and or ADHD, you know, when you're sick to truly rest. Our brains don't work like it very well. They struggle to turn off and you have to kind of, it's kind of like you've got to keep telling your brain to, to calm down and rest and rest and recover rather than just making it harder for yourself. Do you know what I mean? And so like I've been really experiencing this and it, it kind of comes back to the, the challenges of executive function. And it, I'm going to be releasing a really good interview with Cliff Weitzman next week. Um, he's the CEO of Speechify, really interesting guy. And he talks about how, you know, reading a sentence in your mind is kind of like hard math for other people. Your brain takes so much more energy to, to do the work um, that it becomes tiring and it becomes overwhelming. And if you don't have the systems in place to, to make it work, it gets really, really tough. And then you throw on top of all of this with decision fatigue, just the natural challenges we have with time management, you know, where we feel we've got more time to do something, but we don't, and vice versa, we, we you know, try and fit way too much stuff into too short a window and we get caught out. Um, our natural ability to tell time can be really tough and to actually make real decisions. Even if we've had experiences in the past that should inform us, we still get it wrong. And I see this with dyslexics I work with, you know, brilliant people, but their ability to connect how long something takes in the real world is really tough. You know, I found this my whole career with quoting for work and trying to decide how long is that actually going to take. It just gets really, really tough, right? It's not natural for us. It, it involves extra work and it involves systems. And, you know, that, and that's, you know, the biggest challenge I've had with decision fatigue is it just builds on your stress and anxiety and it just increases. And when you get so overwhelmed and overloaded, you just don't want to do anything. You know, you can't even focus on, on the smallest thing in front of you because it feels like you've got 20 decisions in your head to make and you don't even want to make one of them. Now, other reasons for this. So there's, you know, I just want to go through some of the, the things I see that usually lead to this increasing in me because you can manage yourself out of this to a point. And, you know, I, I definitely, in, in an older, you know, send me back five, six years with the same challenge. I wouldn't have anywhere close to the systems to make this easier on myself. Like I wouldn't, one, be able to actually let myself off. Like I, I actually have to, you know, the old days I'd just beat myself up. Where now I'm like, hey, this is how my brain works. You know, I try and pause and go, what is the actual reasoning behind this? And, you know, for me at the moment, it is definitely a mixture of sickness, tiredness, you know, overwork and burnout. I've just been kind of putting all my feet in the fire, really trying to get everything done. And it just, it tires you out and that's okay. You know, you know, it's normal. That's what should happen. If you're going to work that hard for that period of time, you've got to make sure you then reset. And it's, it's hard sometimes when you've been going so hard at some work or, or some parts of your life, 
to actually slow down, it takes a while for the brakes to kick in. It's not like an instant stop or you'd be thrown out the car, right? So like it does take time. And you know, for me personally, like it has been that kind of physical side. And so how do I counteract that? You know, one, I'm kinder to myself, but two, again, I'm bringing back and, and putting more emphasis on the rhythm I've built up that works. And I've struggled with this all my life about keeping a consistent rhythm. I try things and change, I try things and change. But there are certain things that I've continued to repeat so that I don't lose them. So meditation in the morning. My 23 minute practice is so important. And I usually find when I'm sitting in this decision fatigue, overwhelm world, I've usually gotten so stressed, I've started to forget the value of these things. So if I'm meditating and I'm not valuing it, I don't actually switch off as well, or I don't actually get into the state I need to be to get the most out of it. I'm already thinking about what's next. And that's usually a great sign that I'm, I'm in this decision fatigue mode. My dyslexic fatigue is just, should be called dyslexic fatigue really. You know, it's just in this zone where I'm, I'm struggling. And so I make sure I put some more emphasis. I give myself a bit more time. I make sure the room is a bit cooler or whatever I need to make it a better experience. I lean in on it because that rhythm is what keeps the rest of the day going. Also going to the gym or exercising, whatever that looks like to you. Or, you know, for me, I know if I stop doing that because I'm stressed or I'm trying to fit more in the day than I need to, I just don't get the other stuff done. And it's kind of like a false positive. I think, hey, if I don't do that, I get back another 30 or 60 minutes where actually I end up just wasting that on something else I'm doing in the day. So starting to prioritize that health side. Also, sleep is another key one. When I'm really tired, I sometimes find myself, because of the stress, the anxiety that's been built up by this, these, these issues and challenges, I, I just don't sleep as well. And so forcing myself to stay in bed and actually get a good period of sleep. And you know, for me, that usually means going to bed about 9.30 at night. And when I'm trying to get extra sleep or try and sleep till 7, 7.30 if I can, you know, get, get 10 hours in bed. It's usually not all asleep, but uh, a good period is. And that definitely starts to pay off once you do it for a period of time. And we, you know, if you're like me as well, there are, we do have our challenges with, in, with actually seeing the outcomes of repeated effects, the outcomes of rhythm if we don't really apply them. You know, for example, like when I meditate once, it doesn't always mean that I've come into some amazing state of Zen. But what I noticed this week, for example, the fourth time I did it perfectly in a row and gave myself the space, put the priority on it, I've started to already feel much, much better for it. You know, all of these things add up, but giving them time to add up is just, it's just so important. And what's so annoying about all this stuff is it's just what we kind of know already, but we don't always do. We don't always let ourselves have, you know, the space to do the repeating things that make it better. You know, maybe for you, it's taking certain vitamins. Maybe it's omega-3s. I find magnesium at night really works for me at the moment. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, those type of things and going, okay, how do I put my mental health, not just physical, but mental health to, you know, to work for me? Because that's the vital thing, right? You know, with decision fatigue, 
you know, we can lie to ourselves and say we're fantastic at stuff and we have our moments where it's kind of like our brain dials all line up and we have this like dyslexic moment of clarity. And then we, then it goes down a completely opposite path. And this is the challenge is things change in our minds. We can, and, and you know, our seven-year-old said it really well the other day. She goes, I have different feeling personalities that can be completely different. And that was her, her response <laughs> to us saying, last week, you didn't like that food. We didn't like that toy. Now you love the toy and you love the, <laughs> love the food. And, you know, kids will have their own way of doing things. But I just love that explanation. She has, you know, different feeling personalities. And I think that's a great way of putting it. Like, you know, there are days where I feel like I'm a decision legend. And I'll go through, I'll know where I'm going, and I'll make decision after decision. And then there are days where I'm so fatigued it's, it's like I shouldn't make decisions. And I've had to get really clear on that because it's probably the last point I'll mention in this podcast is if you know you're in a really bad decision-making mode, if you're overtired, um, you know, if things, if you're just in a bad place, don't make life-changing decisions in those moments. You know, I've seen this with friends break up with partners. I've seen heaps of stuff over the years um, like sometimes it's worked out right, but multiple times they've gone, was that actually the right decision? And was it done in a, at, at a point where it actually made sense? Or did I do it out of an emotional personality state that wasn't right? And so, you know, for me, I, I've just become a lot slower in decision making as well, rather than just bang, bang, bang. I'll slowly think about a decision. I'll test it over a couple of days and then I'll make it if it works. Usually the world isn't as fast as our brains make it out to be. It operates on a much slower point. But that's what I wanted to share, guys, because I think going into 2024, we want to go in rested. We want to go in feeling good, not too stuffed with turkey or whatever delicious foods you may have over the holiday period. But it's, it's just important to make sure that we understand our brains, we give ourselves some space, and we're doing those things daily that actually make the real impact. However boring they may seem at times, you know, deep down you know they make a massive impact. So have an epic rest of your day and I'll be back next week with that interview with Cliff Weitzman. Really looking forward to it and have an epic rest of your day.